Welcome to Civil Conversations, Episode 1, How Are We? I am Matt Aguido, the host and creator of Civil Conversations. And in this first episode, we go into getting a gauge on how we are uh, today in society. So we have Jessica Nelson and Tim Nicodemus who joined me in this first conversation. Uh, And it was pretty insightful. I hope you guys enjoy it. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here for the first and hopefully first of many conversations. I'm calling this civil conversations primarily because uh, what I find is that sometimes in society we get into discussions about very hot topics that are are important to everyone, but then they're from just so many different perspectives. And so what I wanted to do in this first one was basically uh, pull people together, uh, specifically two people together from different backgrounds, uh, you know, um, that I know of. They're both friends of mine, but from totally different backgrounds. And uh, to talk about what's been going on right now, we know the big, the big hot topic right now is uh, the, which was actually a catalyst situation, the death of George Floyd, but the overall uh, impact that, um, that we've seen on the U.S. when it comes to uh, social justice issues, um, either in regards to, you know, from a Black Lives Matter standpoint, police brutality, racism, uh, et cetera. So um, I'm giving a couple people a couple seconds to probably like log in, but uh, I'm sure you guys are going to catch this pretty soon. But yeah, so uh, let's see. Go ahead and... Um, Give a couple seconds. All right, but I think we're gonna have some people in right now. So <clears throat> first off, wanted to start off with some introductions. Jessica, uh, wanna do ladies first. This is the first time you and Tim are meeting, so I think it's pretty cool. But Jessica, if you don't mind giving us a little intro about who you are, um, where you're from, and et cetera. Okay, so I'm Jessica. I am from the outskirts of Richmond, Virginia, and I am a single mom of two boys, two African-American boys. Um, And so I'm excited to have been asked to join the conversation. Nice, thanks, thanks. And Tim? All right, well, it's certainly great to be here. I'm Tim, I've been here in Charlotte today, seven years. Uh, I live here in Uptown um, and I'm just excited to be a part of this conversation. Cool, man, thanks, thanks. Um, So, just to kind of explain my relationship with you, these two. So I've known Jessica on and off for a lot of years, um, <laughs> probably 16, 17 years. Um, met back in Richmond. I feel like Richmond is one of those things where it's like, you know, two degrees of separation. Somebody knows somebody in Richmond. Um, and, uh, and then Tim and I know each other because we attend the same church. And Tim has been involved in a lot of things here in Charlotte, uh, either based on social justice issues or any ministries that him and his wife are involved in. And I thought it'd be really good just to kind of um, just really talk about how this has been impacting these guys and um, just to help from their perspectives, right? Tim being a white male in the South and Jessica being a black female in the South, single mom with two boys. Uh, so Jessica, if you don't mind just kind of sharing your perspective on, you know, how have you been the last like couple of weeks? I mean, just since everything's been going on. Um, I don't think it's been anything new in the next couple of weeks. I think that it's really a lifestyle. 
And every time something gets in the news, it just puts it right in front of your face. I think it's always a concern, always something that's in your mind. When who's going to be next, if it could be my child, if it could be my dad, if it could be one of my cousins, if it could be one of my friends. Um, so the last few weeks have been have been really the same other than um now there's like a new energy when it comes to these issues and there seems to be more people on board that get it and understand and more protesting i protested for the first time in my life i don't know if it was really a protest or more but an assembly but <laughs> for the first time in my life um this past tuesday and um just having more conversations with my kids that a lot of people probably, well, not a lot of us have, but there's plenty of other people that don't have yeah. those type of conversations and just trying to figure out what's next. I've been trying not to um, spend as much money to keep my black dollars. So I made some almond milk this week and some almond flour, um, cooking a little bit more, you know, just trying to do everything that I can within my home to have a voice and let my stance be known. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny you say that about the conversations we have, because I guess it's like we're having them. Um, and yeah, I feel you. And it, like you said, it's the last two weeks has definitely been heightened. All right. Um, but it's like, it's like now everybody seems to kind of know what we're going through. It's, I don't know how to really explain it. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I appreciate that perspective. It's like it's been that way, you know, overall. But then now it's definitely like the Floyd thing just really just, and I say thing not to minimize it, but just the Floyd's death and the way things went down in, in Minneapolis. And it just, I think at that point when it happened, it was like, oh, yeah. It was a spotlight. Was, I think there was light on it, but it's now absolutely center stage spotlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel you on that 100%. Like, so Tim, like, for you, what do you think? I mean, I know you've been somewhat involved in these type of things before, but like, how does, I don't know, just tell me, like, what are your thoughts on all of this? How have you been? Yeah, sure. I mean, when uh, the murder of uh, Ahmad was uh, kind of brought into the consciousness, I guess, a few months later, right? So I vaguely remember hearing about it when it first happened, um, uh, but then when it really, really came to light uh, because of the film, uh, I mean, it, I, it just felt in a sad way, just kind of apathetic, just sort of just like, here we go again. And then, you know, a couple weeks or a few hours later, it felt to hear about the murder of Breonna Taylor. And then right. uh, Mr. Floyd in the Twin Cities. Um, it's easy just to feel like this is 2014 all over again, right? When we had a couple of uh, black men, I believe that was the summer of Mike Brown, as well as um, uh, Eric Gardner. Uh, or 13 maybe, but but anyways, uh, and then here in, in Charlotte in uh, 2016, that summer was when uh, um, Alton Sterling was killed, there was the ambush in uh, Texas with the police officers, and then obviously the uprising here in Charlotte, and so it just felt kind of similar to that, where it was like a bunch of things breaking the news all at once, and so uh, easy to just feel kind of overwhelmed, um, but as, as strange as it sounds, it's almost encouraging. I won't say it's a silver lining at all, but uh, just to see the amount of people coming out, um, the 
randomness of everyone. Um, you know, in yeah. the past, I can probably count the number of so-called white people on maybe two hands here in Charlotte. And so to be, I mean, I was at a protest the other day and we were in the majority. And I'm not saying that we're the answer or we're the solution, but that's just a big change uh, in a very hopefully positive way. I mean, I'm, I'm worried that we're going to try to then take over, right? Um, but it could also be positive because when the majority of the population starts to stand up, then maybe we can use our power and just sheer size of, of the white population to hopefully be a part of the, of the framework that's been created. Yeah, 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 I appreciate that perspective too. Like I find that when it's interesting you said the word takeover. Um, I'm not gonna say that I'm worried about the takeover. Yeah. But the participation is definitely very important. Yeah, it is very important. And I think like there's been a tough balance. So like for me, I you know, I was at the um the uh the it ends now rally on sunday and uh, it was it was excellent and you're right i did notice a significant amount of white people there and i was like wow you know and um that doesn't mean that black people who didn't come or white people that didn't come don't support it's just the scenario we're in especially right now during this whole COVID 19 crisis but like um i've thought about that just like this 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 new wave especially like in corporate america like right now what i found is at work um, I'm getting hit up a lot by my white coworkers. And I mean that in a positive way, just to check on me and see how I'm doing or former coworkers. Um, so that's good. Um, I, my only concern is I just would hate for it. When you, when you made that com the comment about the, the takeover piece, my concern would be, you know, I don't want to say when the hashtag, you know, kind of goes away, but just more of like when the media hype starts to decline, right? And it's the next hot news, like how do we sustain, right? What's the, the, the sustaining plan? And that's a part of why I wanted to start civil conversations because like, I feel like these type of talks need to happen within the people and the groups that they, like people have in their own circles, right? I mean, obviously this is, this is good and we're not a circle within ourselves, right? I know each one of you individually, however, we're, we're having this conversation and are we going to agree on everything? Probably not, but you know, hopefully we can talk through things, you know, from a from different backgrounds perspective, and be able to move forward because I think that's what's going to be needed to sustain um, this long term. You know what I mean? Um, Jessica, you about to you like you about to say something? You got your chin up like you about to just like say something? <laughs> no, I'm listening. No, I'm listening. Um, other than the fact that um, so I I don't think the goal would be for white people to take over, but um, but I do feel as if white involvement, non-black involvement mm -hmm. is absolutely vital and crucial. Like we've been having an issue with it. We've been talking about it. We've been posting about it. We've been, um, getting together with NAACP and, you know, we've been having the conversation over and over and over. I think it is imperative for non-black people to get involved heavily so when i see how many non-black people are at the protest uh, you know wearing black lives matter shirts talking about black being beautiful like it really is heartwarming because you haven't seen that in the past maybe right. specs here i think there's still um for a lot of people, I think George's death was just flat out inhumane. So 
so it's like oh it doesn't a lot of people who are even the all lives matter situation you know they're still like well no one is supposed to lean on the neck i think the thing with right. our, um all the names are kind of getting me like messed up and i'm kind of nervous but with Ahmaud aubrey he was shot which was messed up by all means but he was shot and so like everybody gets shot i think that didn't shake as many people as a knee on the neck and him laying out in the street crying yelling out for his mom i think that hit home with a lot of people especially white women mm -hmm. um and so all that to say i think the more white people are involved not like a white savior complex by any means but the more white people that are involved the more change will actually happen one reason is because i think white people have a better chance of changing the minds of other white people yeah i feel you on that um i feel you. i'm sorry tim were you about to yeah i mean so i think that brings up a really good question i had with a friend the other day and i just love to hear y'all's thoughts of why does it take black trauma for folks to get interested right so i just have a general rule that i will not watch the video because i worry that like i myself will start to associate my support to my friends based on potential trauma mm -hmm. instead of like caring for my friends because they're like my friends right um why is it do you think that people have to watch the video right, to be kind of the Thomases, right, to question it until there's that proof. But that proof, I'm worried, is making a lot of the majority culture kind of desensitized almost, or just assuming that, like, that's why we need to get involved instead of, like, all of these other underlying systemic issues. And then the caveat to that question of why do you think it takes that trauma is how do you think or have, have you seen in your experience that folks who look like me have gotten kind of woke, quote unquote, without having to see that trauma? Super mm. long question, but. No, I, I like where you're going. Jessica, do you want to respond to that first? I'm just gonna give my opinion. I'm curious to see, I don't know if anybody, I've been looking on the phone, I don't know if anyone's actually responding or putting comments in, but like, I, there are uh, six comments. I see some comments. Um, so like, we'll see, you know, if anyone comments on that question, but the, um, I'll, I'll respond first. You want me to respond first? So Jessica, you got that. Go ahead and respond. I'll look at the All comments. Right. So the trauma, this is tough, okay? So like, I'm gonna I'm a answer your question, but I'm gonna start at a certain point. And this is something I've been realizing for like the last couple of, like probably for the last few days. I feel like our story has been stolen from the media and meaning the the, and that doesn't mean the media is all bad, not saying it's all good either, but these situations are horrible, right? And um, the, the problem is we as individuals have not shared a lot of what's happened to us on the individual level that didn't result in any death or, or prison time or horrible beatings, but they were, all, um, they were all either, let's say, excessive or brutal or um, unnecessary Etc. And then we just kind of keep it to ourselves and we just keep it amongst us, you know, amongst us black folks. Um, and so when something like, you know, what happened to, uh, to, you know, Mr. Floyd occurs, you know, that's like, that is the, 
a lost life, right? So that's like the maximum thing that you can do to somebody, like period, right? You killed that person. But like the way he was treated up until possibly before he was slammed on the ground um, is part of a lot of African-American, especially men's, you know, uh, experiences, you know? Um, and so I, I don't know why the trauma necessarily happens to, this goes to your question now, like why does the trauma seem to, you know, why do you have to watch it? Uh, I, I guess it's because maybe there's just not enough of it coming from the people that they know one-on-one to talk about it so they don't have anything else but the media to tell them about it you know i mean for us it's regular like i can sit down in a room of 20 people 10 10 black guys and 10 white guys and and i would say probably between the age of like 35 i'll pick 30 i'll even go as low as 30 and 50 years old and ask all 10 white guys when's the last time like you know have they ever been stopped by the cops or a gun pulled their head their head and ask 10 black guys and i'll guarantee the percentage is going to be higher for the black community than it is for the white community. And that's all we're trying, I think that's all a lot of us are trying to say. Um, and I don't speak, now that is, I don't speak for all black men. Jessica doesn't speak for all single black moms. You don't speak for all white guys. But however, that's one area. I don't know if that fully answers your question around the trauma, Tim, but does that make sense? Do you feel where I'm going with that? Or Jessica, what are your thoughts to what I'm saying? Um, I think that it takes a trauma because you're so far, if it's not your community, you're so far removed. And I think I can use it as a parallel um, with me having deaf kids. So there's a lot of things that I'm consistently thinking about that I always pay attention to when it comes to going to the movies, going to a restaurant, going to church, because having taking care of deaf individuals and sound quality is always in my mind. Mm. Whereas most people don't have to to think about things like that. Um, so I, I feel like perhaps it's the same thing for the average white person. They don't, a lot of people don't have black friends or maybe like that one black friend at work, you know? And so it's n not a lifestyle that they live. So it's not something that's constantly on their mind and they haven't taken the time to educate themselves. And since it's not a part of their world, they don't necessarily think it's real. So even if you see it, since it's not something that you live with consistently or you hear your friends talking about consistently, it's easy to fall back in your mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Tim, I mean, is that, is that fair? Do you feel like, I mean, I don't know, as a white guy, before you even got involved in anything, like do you, how, how, how and I use this word, at the root of the definition, not, not a negative, but like how ignorant do you feel like you were or, or are, yeah. right? Like even to this day, like, I mean, I, you know, how old are you again? Remind me. So I'm about to turn 30. Okay. Um, so yeah, so just kind of quick backstory. So I grew up in small town, Maryland, shout out to Frederick. My sister is currently at a protest there, her first protest, <laughs> super proud of her. Um, so we grew up to parents that had done social work in rural Kentucky. So they understood white poverty very well, right? Like the whole idea of like class and the issue around that, mm -hmm. solid on that. But the only, because I lived in rural Maryland, the only real interaction I had was in quote unquote inner city Frederick, right? Which is a town of like 
100,000 people, right? Or going on like short-term missions to like help the homeless people in the Bronx of New York. And so I do think that there is a fairly direct line to what y'all were talking about, which is like, it took me getting proximate, but then I had to work through that when I got to college, right? And was around everybody from like all over the world to be like, oh wait, like, so there's a ton of implicit stuff in me that just associates black with poverty, right? And so like my wanting wow. to help my friends was very good natured, right? Like it was me trying to be a good person, but it came from a level of power, even though when I was in college, I went to a private school in the South. And so all of my friends were way more important, way, you know, came from super privileged backgrounds, but I was still white. And so that I think was really what I had to work on is that it didn't take me watching a video, but it was me realizing that like, I was definitely living in this like, oh, I'm not economically privileged, but my friends in the black fraternities are getting stopped by the police. I'm getting let go, mm. right? Uh, even though we, we were both drinking, right? It's like, you know, um, and so, so I you think saw that, that- That happened to you, what you just said. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I got cited twice by the police for uh, drinking, um, but I just went in front of a judge and I wore a suit and he, was like cool and he took away the fine but i had plenty of friends in the black fraternities that were you know getting written up and the judge wouldn't waive their fines stuff like that uh there was constantly a question of why do we have to have black fraternities on campus um and i you know again like in the grand scheme of things in terms of the trauma that's obviously not the not the same yeah um but i but i do think again to go kind of full circle that it took me and a lot of my friends in a prep school to get close to people that didn't fit into kind of our preconceived ideas to really start to work through that. That makes, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you sharing that too. I will say, and you're right, the trauma, the, the thing is, I'm, you know, when I think about, I've been analyzing this a lot lately, man. It's hard because, you know, after, I mean, I'm almost 19 years now into my career and I've, I've, I've kind of, um, just focused primarily on like, okay, corporate America, like I'm doing my thing. And don't get me wrong, that is, I'm very happy about that. But, but like, I, what I, what I think I, I, for me, speaking for myself, like wanting to get back into like sharing my story with people and what's happened, I think what is hard to explain to others is that what may be like the death of these individuals is traumatic, right? But like, as African Americans, we're walking levels of trauma almost from birth and it varies according to how an african-american may be raised so for me you know I, I was born in brooklyn raised in queens new york not like not wealthy or anything like that and then my parents continued to move us quote unquote up right um some people will laugh and say well i was in south side chesterfield and that's up yes it was all right so like at meadowbrook in the house baby all right so um but, you know, it, it, and then it's kind of moved up. And some people, you know, quote unquote, on a socioeconomical scale stayed the same, right? But, you know, the, the death is a traumatic situation, but the lifelong trauma of different things happening is why a Floyd, an Arbery, a Garner, all these things, they just, they're almost like, it's like, it's like PTSD. It's like we're walking around with PTSD, right? It's like, it just, it, it reminds us of those moments. You know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's like thinking about my son and obviously your boys too, Jessica, I think like, okay, well, how do we, how do we get to a point where obviously we're all older, right? But how do we get to a point where they are not walking around with the same thing in their mid thirties, you know, near 40 years old 
or 50 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't have an answer. Like, I don't have an answer. I think, um, I don't, I don't have an answer. I would like to think that conversations help and work out and, um, normalizing black presence, um, Mm -hmm. would help yeah normalizing black presence like i said um but like you said like the moving on up thing um i've always lived in chesterfield and i've i've never lived in an area that i think was considered like not a great area at the time that i lived in it Mm. if that makes sense it does um and I, that's even a problem in itself because it seems to be, well, it doesn't seem to be, the way it works is no matter what county or city you are in in America, whenever more black and brown people come into it, then it's not a good area. <laughs> the white flight happens. Yeah. Um, and so even though I live or have always lived in areas that, were um that were predominantly white and we weren't rich i didn't grow up um with rich parents or anything but my parents worked to have us where they wanted us to be um we were always my family was always one of the few families like even in high school um going to monican in our neighborhood at that time it wasn't that many black people in our neighborhood now I'm really, my son is really in the same situation. We live further up um, Hall Street than I did growing up. And there's very few black kids. And I don't know if they have any black teachers there when I think about it. So um, I feel like a lot of, a lot of white kids don't grow up and black kids but a lot of kids don't grow up seeing black people in to this day don't grow up seeing black people in positions of power in positions that are respected positions in a lot of professional positions even though there's a ton of black people that are in professional situation um careers and so like if you live in the city then you probably have your first black teacher when you're in kindergarten your principal is probably black, you know whereas if you live in the county or if you're a black kid that goes to a private school then the only black people in that whole building may be the janitorial staff and where we love the janitorial staff we give you know you respect the janitorial staff just like you respect the principal or you know whatever i teach my kids that the imagery of that doesn't help anyone growing up it doesn't help um it doesn't help the kid whose parents are teaching them the black kids whose parents are teaching them to strive and work hard and it doesn't go well for the imagery of what for black for white families either like there needs to be more of us everywhere yeah yeah, I think I think that and also I'm agree with everything you say. And, um, and Tim, I got a question for you because she made me think about something because uh, based on even your statement you made earlier. 
you're right, there needs to be more of us everywhere. But even in the spaces that we're in where there's not a lot of us, how do we how do we empower or we need to figure out a way to empower our fellow African Americans to be able to talk more and, and share more about the experiences and the safe and safe relationships, right? Because that's why I think the problem with that is you have to you have to feel like you're around people that care. That, and I was about to say, that's the next thing. The issue is like when I made my comment about I feel like the media has stolen our story is that some people are so tired of Black Lives Matter, so tired of hearing that, um, you know, social injustice, so tired of all this stuff being thrown at them that by the time they hear it from their neighbor who's saying, this is what happened to me, it's almost, at least for me, I feel like it, it's, it's like I'm, I'm maybe talking on deaf ears. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know fully. I mean, Tim, what do you, like, when, in your, and I hate to say it like this, but in your white spaces, like, do you feel like some people are just tired of it? Like, I, I don't, I know a couple people that are kind of tired of it, but, I, you know, what does that look like to you? Yeah. Uh, so I'll be honest, I've cultivated a lot of those spaces fairly out of my life. And so now I'm trying to find my way back into them. Uh, Cause I know that there are a lot of people that are asking like positive faith questions. Mm. Um, but I mean, I I'm still seeing, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, wherever uh, I was just in a coffee shop earlier today, heard people I didn't know. So I didn't want to like, you know, <laughs> like you know scream at him but you know people still asking very poor faith uh questions around but what about you know what about inner city violence what about you know x y and z and um you know but we've had a black president um mm -hmm. and so i will go back to my earlier um statement where i think that is going away slowly um i'm not a big fan of incrementalism uh i agree with king i mean why we can't wait um, that I think that we need to get a move on. But to your question, I think some people are tired. Um, I think that every cycle we see, you know, a murder happen, we grieve for a few days, and then almost like clockwork, it's about three to five days later, there'll be character assassinations, there'll be, but he should have. It's the, you know, oh, but we don't know the full story, or, well, we have to wait, you know, well, you can't deny the, you know, the officer due process, right? right? Uh, that is definitely something that I, that I definitely still hear. Um, I mean, you know, news came out today, right, that maybe George Floyd was involved in certain, you know, films, and oh, he maybe would have done drugs, whatever. The, the classic see, I'm joke. happy that you brought that up. So I haven't heard as much this time mm -hmm. um, as I have in the past. But um, so, yeah, he was involved in an adult film. But I think that's hilarious. Not hilarious. Well, yeah, I do. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like who cares? We have a president that did he pay off a porn star? So here's a regular dude trying to pay his bills. He's slaying a little peen somewhere. Got a couple of dollars be assuming so he can take care of his family. We got a whole president grabbing people by the, and, and he gets to have this badge of honor for who he is. So it's always like a double standard, but um, sorry to interrupt, but I just didn't, I haven't, that's what I thought was the difference about this time that it hasn't been as much less weight for, you know, for whatever reports, less weight to see given the, the police, the benefit of the doubt, I felt like there was 
this time there's been way more, oh no, this isn't right. You know, it doesn't matter what he did. He didn't deserve to die that way, which is, which brings me back to, I hate the way that he died the way that he did. But I think if it, if he was shot, it would have been just another black guy shot. Mm. Well, uh, and to tie all this together, I mean, I, uh, I just saw a great question. Re really appreciate that point. Yeah, that we'll make equivocations as far as the day is long, trying to kind of ease the white conscience, so to speak. Um, yeah, but the question was just, you know, really, should it matter what he did? And no, right? I mean, after the murder of uh, Mike Brown and Ferguson, right? Oh, he stole something. It's like, yeah, it's stealing is not a capital offense, right? Like, you know, and then there, I know there wasn't a video. So there's a lot of, you know, back and forth that he attacks right. stops or whatever, but it, but it definitely happens a lot. So to your question, whoever it is, sorry, I can't see the name. It was but, Grace. It was Grace. I think. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic question. Right. Cause the answer is no. I mean, like, you know, um, uh, so there's no sort of justifiable self-defense found out recently right that he and the officer who killed him worked together i think part-time as like security uh whatever at a, at a club or something um and to your earlier point matt a really interesting kind of side conversation in some white circles for the folks that are kind of newer to it has been oh that's what you say i can't just have a black friend right like we we hear a lot as white people, oh, you have to get proximate, right? So, so you have to be around black people, you have to be around brown people, around people different orientations. And I'm, I'm glad that they work together because that's led to a lot of interesting conversations of, yeah, so they knew each other, right? Like, just because you know a black person, just because you have a coworker, just because you have a friend, that doesn't mean that you've done the work to actually be an accomplice. And so to go full circle to your question, uh, to me, that conversation has been a very good positive from all this. Mm, yeah, I think I like that. It's, you know, it doesn't mean you've done enough to be an accomplice. I think, yeah, that has changed. Like people have been more willing to hear the stories or if anything, I don't know if in some cases I'm almost wondering, and I'm, and I'm not just, actually I'm going to say this in defense of a lot of white people. I think some of them, have wanted to know more but didn't know how like so one of the things I'm, I've, I've not been a huge fan of I haven't said anything about it on social media is I've not been a, a huge fan of like making white people feel guilty for being silent because I don't know which white person is silent because they're uncomfortable because some people are silent because they really are waiting for like the anti-story right whatever George Floyd did and you know oh there has to be a reason why that that, that cop killed her but honestly sometimes some of them just like I don't know what to say. I'm like, I don't know what to do, you know? And then, then we kind of have to breach that with them and say, hey, this is where I'm at. And some are just willing to just shoot a text message. Trust me, I've gotten a lot of them. Or a phone call or an email or, I mean, I think a pigeon just dropped a note by my house actually this morning from somebody. But that's just literally, you know, uh, but they're, they're willing to, you know, they, I think some of them have been quiet because of that. But I, you're right. I think if, if we can find a way to, I don't say make people talk, but just like hear people's perspective and also hear some of the count, like the, the, and we're not there yet, but being willing to be challenged on our perspective. So it's hard, right? As a black person to kind of be challenged on our perspective because you don't know what it's like to be black. But then sometimes, you know what? There may be something that I'm reading wrong because I'm emotional, right? 
uh, and I'm speaking for myself. I'm not saying uh, that I'm, I'm definitely not for like write off a black person because they're emotional, but speaking for myself, because we all deal with it, right? We all deal with some type of reaction because of our emotions. Um, you know, and I, I think, I think you're right. I think it's important to do the work. Um, and people are willing to do the work, uh, right now. Um, what do you guys think about, you know, not to move it forward from the, from the trauma of black America, but like, you know, look at what's happened post the killing, right? So you have these protests, you have the riots, you have the deaths that's happened. I think I read today there was like 15 known deaths because of the riot. And, and I'll just say it publicly here, like each one of those lives lost is a sad thing. Like that's no questions asked. Like I'm not even gonna debate that. Um, but what do you guys think about the way we're responding as a people? It are, you know, obviously there's some separate, you got some people who just wanna just break some stuff up and then you have the protest. The protest, I have no problems with protest at all. But I know some people don't mind the damage, right? I mean, so I'm not going to sit here and criticize them for saying they don't mind the damage. Uh, Jessica got a smirk on her face. She's probably like, burn, burn it all. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think, Jessica? Since you got the smirk, what, do you, what was your thoughts? So I don't, I don't agree or disagree with rioting, right? Mm. So I feel like when you are, I, clearly there's people who are out there to get like TVs and, you know, Right. whatever it is what it is um i think you should not be pissed off about this riot if you weren't pissed off about black wall street riot mm. if you weren't you know like there's there have been several american black american neighborhoods that were rioted that were burned down that were like bum rushed out of nowhere you know if you don't have a problem with that that don't have a problem with this. It's history repeating itself over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And to tell, to tell me, it's not smart to burn up your own neighborhood, right? It's not smart to burn up the grocery store in your neighborhood. But when we are emotional, we do stuff that's not necessarily smart. I've been pissed at like a boyfriend that did something that wasn't necessarily smart. <laughs> you know, I've been mad and did something that didn't make sense. And it wasn't even as serious as a murder so right, right. don't tell me how to be angry if you if you come for my kid and i come and blow up something over there that's what you get like <laughs> that's what happens if i feel like you're not listening to me and i have tried time and time and time again to get my point across and something gets messed up you should have listened i gave you fair opportunity to listen that's a part that's that's one part of me, like the emotional part. The logical part is sit down and figure out a way to have our voices heard and to make change. Yeah. But that's what's been happening for years and nothing's happened. So I don't, I am not for or against um, rioting. And I think that there's definitely, I know that there's agitators that are out there, you know, posing like they are people that are for the cause, but they're trying to make the cause look negative. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, that's true, that's true. What do you think about that, Tim? So I've been out a couple of times here in Charlotte in the evenings, right, which is when things can, things can kind of pop off. In fact, I'll probably go after this and just hand out supplies, snacks, drinks, things like that. And 
so I've been out one night. So about a week ago, there was one in a historic black neighborhood. Uh, and that was started by people that had no good intent. And so none of us went out there because we knew why they were there, right? To break the windows of a beautiful black neighborhood. We weren't about that. But I went the next night when it was an uptown at the police station, you know, flashbangs are going off, things like that. Um, I get the anger. Right. I mean, I think that there is I personally don't subscribe to pro-violence, um, but as stated earlier, I mean, I'm also not going to and I use this pun intentionally, but tone police people. I mean, uh, if you see an oppressive system and you break a window because you're tired of that branch bank uh, denying you a home loan. That's a systemic anger right um if you throw something that's not an explosive like if you throw you know a i don't know uh drink in your hand at a police officer i mean i personally wouldn't um but if you see not that officer but if you see the oppressive system behind it i don't think being tear gassed is a proportionate response and so when people say do you support the riots i go well yeah i mean sort of um <laughs> I don't think that we're that the majority culture is looking at it right because they just want me to say no, no violence. I also think that there is a significantly larger portion of people that associate peaceful protests to mean the afternoon protests, people are holding hands and not saying anything. Uh, when I've been out the past couple of nights here in Charlotte, people are furious, people are angry. Uh, some of my friends, I was not out there that night, but some of my friends got ambushed by the police, tear gassed and all that, uh, and they couldn't escape, right? They had to escape under this this thing, right, into a parking garage. People are angry, but I didn't see anybody throwing anything. So so is that peaceful? I mean, they're furious, they're, they're very angry, but they're not disruptive in a in a throwing things way, they're disruptive in a, we're going to sit, literally sit and kneel at this intersection so that the police have to block off traffic because we are going to disrupt the normal economic systems. Right. So, if, so that's considered peaceful. Absolutely. Right. No, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I'm really curious to see what it's going to be like in a week. Cause I'm trying to, um, th this is kind of a shameless plug for anybody out there who's watching this, but I'm definitely looking to get more guests on here to talk as well, because I'm, I'm curious to see like what it's going to be like to hear from from those who are like oh, completely against every bit of it, right? Not because I feel like they're wrong, but they have a perspective. Because I think, um, and one of the comments here I'm reading on here is like, you know, and I think you already said this, Tim, is like protests should be should be disrupt disruptive, right? Not necessarily destructive. Um, and and um, I'm sorry, no. Oh, oh, okay, oh, oh, I mean. Seeing the third police precinct in Minnesota burn, I can't say that I will say they should not have done that. And I know that's <laughs> going to be a hot opinion coming in. Um, you taking down the oppressive system. Uh, I mean, so Jesus flipped tables in the temple, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he destroyed some of that merchandise. Um, I would never say that I support someone to the, the commenter's point, like destroying a small business, right? Or like throwing a brick through a window of like your corner store, right? Like the, the, the system that's there to help you should not be targeted, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I wanna be careful because I also don't wanna tell people who've been oppressed for 400 plus years how to, how to feel, but I do think that there's also different types of disruptive and destructive, right? Yeah. Is 
So if, if my friends go out, out to block the interstate, that is being technically destructive because that is hurting the economy, right? Because cars can't go through to carry all the goods. But, right. but there's a reason why there's a whole philosophy of protesting that says why blocking the interstate is good. Technically, wow. that is destructive because it's destroying economic value. Right. But I'm not going to tell them that they shouldn't, even if I necessarily wouldn't myself. Yeah. And I, I think the small business thing is a good point. I think there's a big difference between setting fire to the mom and pop gas station on the corner and going into Target. I mean. <laughs> right. Right. I think it's I one of those. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where, and I'm, I'm just reviewing some of the comments. It looks like a question came in from Lori. I think it's a question. I don't know if that went into, if that question came to us or if it was just a general question to someone in the comments, but I'll ask in a second. But to your point, everybody's going to have their opinion. For me, I'm more, I think I get worried when the destru destruction impacts a life. Right. And so like, the, like yeah, that, I mean, that's a totally different. Yeah. Like this, like this afternoon, and this isn't destruction. This is the opposite. Right. So this afternoon, I don't know if you guys saw the guy in Buffalo, a 75 year old man, um, old white gentleman. Yeah. That was BS. He, he gets shoved back by the cop and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And he just cracked his head though. I think he's bleeding from his ear or something. And I'm like, man, that sucks, man. Like, because you know, I, I don't know if he was protesting. I actually don't know why he was standing right there. And like, some people probably focus like, why is he standing there? He's probably standing there because he's protesting, which I don't think that really takes that much to think through. But like they shoved him and that happened. I'm like, dang, like this is the, I guess this is the calamity or the, 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 um, the byproduct of what's going on in America right now. But I hate it, right? You think about um, the 71 year old man who got killed, uh, who's a, a retired cop you know, um, just by going to go protect his pawn shop, you know, um, I mean, that sucks for him. Like, you know, I, I've seen plenty of people post, so how come we're not taking a knee for him, right? He's a black guy, Black Lives Matter. Um, and I think that's where it becomes real difficult, right? What's the limit? You know, who knows when this is going to stop? I don't think this is going to last for another month or two, but who knows? You know, I think that's where it's tough. It's like, dang it, man. I, I see all sides. Like, I understand it. One of the comments here, I think, is I don't, it was from April Branch. I don't agree with the rioting, stealing, and plundering, but I understand the why behind it. You know, I, I, I see where she's coming from. Um, let, me, let me get this question out here. I think. And see, back to the, the rioting, watching a lot of those videos of lives and stuff, again, if the people who are there to riot are not necessarily the people that are there really looking for change. They're people that are looking for free stuff. Mm. Uh, and also a lot of those people have been on film. They are white, they are usually teenagers and they may or may not live in the community. And so to your point oh, yeah. earlier to try to separate the two groups, right? Yeah. So uh, I saw a question earlier about, so how did I know that that one protest was planned that, out of ill intent? Yeah. yeah, so the group behind that is basically a pro-anarchy group. And they didn't put their name out at first, but a bunch of activists that I trust here in Charlotte just kept hammering them in the comments of the event, like, who's behind this, who's behind this, who's behind this? And then they found out it was a group that like has tried to instigate here in Charlotte before. Some of them were also outside folks, but because we, we figured out their name, that's why we knew, oh, that's why they picked a black neighborhood. Right, and it was all white people behind that, right? So it's this pro-anarchy group, it was bad times. Um, yeah, I mean, just typically just look at the videos of who's smashing what. Uh, if it looks like they fit in that community, we can have a conversation. If they don't look like they live in that community, they might not be there out of best intention. 
Um, also talking about destruction, I think this actually happened in Virginia. The, the people who graffitied the uh, Lee statue, I'm all for that. I have no problem with that. Uh, <laughs> because, because all the messages were like, faith, hope, and love. And it's like, people got creative. Um, and so it's not like they tried to like, you know, tear it down. It's not that they tried to set fire to a store. That was just their way of being disruptive, technically destructive, but in a way that nobody, to your point, Matt, was actually going to get hurt. Uh, do white people confront white anarchists? Um, I don't know that group specifically, but if you're asking in general, uh, there are definitely activists that have called them out. Uh, I called them out on Facebook, basically just said, who's going to take ownership because you led to a beautiful neighborhood get torn up. Um, usually it's, it's kind of one of those things of if you just don't pay them any mind, they'll just go away, um, which I know sounds kind of extreme, but what they want is for people to go to their stuff to destroy stuff. And so if nobody shows up and they start destroying stuff, then the 500 police officers are just going to end up catching the five of them out there. Yeah. Quick, um, a quick question from the group here. My buddy, Tony, he asked a question. He said he wants to, this is directed towards you, Tim. He said, uh, were you in Baltimore during the, were you around during the Baltimore riots? Cause I guess Frederick Maryland is like 25 miles from Baltimore. I don't know much about Frederick Maryland. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so I was not, uh, so I was here in Charlotte. Um, I didn't know a lot of friends who went out. Um, I mean, boy, I feel, uh, I don't want to talk about a community I don't know. Mm. Um, I have friends who work in DC, work in Baltimore, work in, in that part of town uh, or the state, and they felt like it was all justified. Uh, I had friends that thought they shouldn't have. Um, if you want to talk about what happened in Charlotte during the uprising, I'm happy to, but I just don't want to try to talk for a community that can yeah. share its own stories. Yeah, yeah, no, understandable. Appreciate, appreciate that perspective. Um, hopefully Tony got that answer. I mean, I, th I, think, I think with all of this, you, you know, we, there's so much pent up anger and frustration. And, and let's be real for a second. Like, I don't think we even touched this. Um, 2020, first off, Kobe Bryant just died like four months ago. And it's like, it's not the biggest news this year. And that was in January. Like, he's gone, okay? And as much as that devastated all of us, 2020 is on a whole nother level, right? And so everybody is so, you got the racial, the racial injustices for all these years is happening. You got COVID-19, the economic downturn that we're in. Um, a lot of people are at home relaxing. Um, some people put it on the COVID-15. That's what everyone's been talking about. I guess putting on 15 pounds of weight of COVID. And now you have this situation. And it's like everyone's now taking, like, I'm not saying that people are using this as an opportunity to burn weight or lose weight or whatever, but it's like. I absolutely think that's true, though. But, I, I wonder now that everything is opening back up, how is the energy going to be? Yeah. So more things are opening back up. You can, in Virginia, you can go to a restaurant and sit down and eat now. Mm -hmm. I've watched um, quite a few individuals go live during this week's protest, and there are a lot of young kids. Like Tim said, a lot of young white kids that were, it was finally something to do <laughs> instead of sitting at home and playing video games online or, you know, whatever it is that, that they do. And so they were just out there to be out there. Um, one of the lives I watched, 
the girl was like, yeah, well, all lives matter. Well, if you feel like all lives matter, you probably shouldn't be out there right now today. <laughs> like, that's the right. part of the problem. But it's something to do. So I do wonder how much everyone is going to be involved once we go into phase three. I don't know what comes into phase three, but it is definitely a question that runs in my mind. How many people are out there every night because this is where their heart is? versus they're bored and that's where all their friends are because some of the protests is really like a block party mm. haven't seen people in a while you know trying to reconnect and so on and so forth yeah i see what you mean i mean that's that's fair i i kind of uh wonder if like you're right I, that has crossed my mind like what is this going to look like when everybody starts to get back into regular everyday society I mean, I almost feel like it's providential outside of the lives lost. I mean, that's still, that's still always going to be something that's going to, that's, that needs to be, you know, we don't want to overlook that. It's like, are we sending people back into regular society a little bit more? Um, what'd you say? Oh, you said woke earlier, right? I don't know. Right. Maybe that's the case. Maybe so. But uh, my hope is that like what we're doing now, like more of these type of real conversations are happening between people and also between people who disagree. And that's one of the things I'm definitely looking forward to in, these ne in this next civil uh, conversation is like, <laughs> I would sure that we, you know, people who do quote unquote have different stances can have conversations to understand perspectives. So that way we can help make a change in the future because I, for someone to look at a black person and say, you're not living that life that, like I was looking at somebody who's a very prominent black Republican <clears throat> in, in, in the in the market or in the media right now, I won't say her name, but it starts with the letter C. Um, we don't we don't talk about her at all. But you know she's she's you know <clears throat> she's a token. <laughs> I mean, hey, you say token. I mean, I I will say for she's not all right and she's not all wrong. I think part of the, the concern I have with that situation is a lot of people waiting for someone like that to speak up. So they can use that as a as a tool to help defend their stance, right? Um, and I want to have conversations with those type of people too, not because they're wrong, but it would be fair for us to have proper dialogue to say, okay, let me understand your perspective of why you think this way about why you know why I feel this way, and then vice versa, right? Because I think it's important. And again, it goes back to telling our stories. I cannot stress enough to fellow African Americans to tell your story to the relationships that you trust that can handle them and are willing to hear it. Not everybody white. Indian, Chinese, pick a race is going to want to hear it. But for those that will, it's important because it makes it more real for them. It's not on a TV. They can't just turn it off. They can't, I mean, if you turn on CNN and I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not a fan of, of just a specific media line. So I will tell you this. If you turn on CNN, Trump is the devil. If you turn on Fox, Trump is uh, Jesus incarnate. Like he's the next, you know, he's the next, uh, he's the return of Jesus Christ. So like, that's the problem with media, right? Is, or sometimes media, heck, we're doing media right now, but my, my whole thing is I just wanted to be more realistic um, and not from a perspective of what, like an agenda we're trying to put. I'm not trying to push an agenda besides one, right? Is converse with the people um, that, are, that are within your sphere, you know? Um, how, do you, how do you guys feel about the young adults? And we're coming towards the end here um, in the last like five minutes. How do you guys feel about the stuff right now with young adults? I mean, with you, uh, your son, how, how old is your oldest, Jessica? 17. I mean, what do you think about him walking out today, especially the way he's been raised? And 
what he's exposed to, like your perspective, not, not, you know, everybody has a perspective. What do you think about it? How do you feel? I don't feel like this at this moment that the world is looking at black males so differently that in a couple of weeks when he's able to drive by himself, I'm not afraid thinking about praying that he gets home safe every day. Mm -hmm. I, I think that this is a good start, but I still have thoughts. I still have concerns. I, mm -hmm. I, um, I think in terms of a non-threatening black male, my, both of my kids <laughs> absolutely fit that category. Um, but I don't think it matters. Mm. I don't think it matters. Um, I would like to, to think it does, but I, I don't think it matters. I don't think there are enough changes at this moment that, that it matters, whether it's in the police community, whether it's in the neighborhoods, I just don't feel like there's a difference. And then I have a little added stress because he is deaf. Like he can be in a room with me, but across maybe 10 feet away from me and the TV be on and I say something, he doesn't understand it. So it, it worries me. I'll probably start crying because I'm a crybaby, but it worries me if he is pulled over in this COVID situation and everyone has on a mask and so then he can't see someone's mouth and he's asked to show his license and registration or if he's in a car accident, his cochlear implant falls off or something. There, there has not been enough change this week that makes me feel like black men and women, black children are still safe. I think it's a good start, but do I feel like, oh, roses lollipops and sunshine and everything is great no yeah no that's understandable tim when you hear that and you know if you don't mind responding to that but also give your own perspective what do you think about the, like the impact on young young adults from your perspective um what do you what sure do you yeah uh so by the end of this week there will have been now three protests led by uh uh teenagers here in charlotte and i think that's incredible i mean the kids are going to be all right uh, I am a big proponent of them. I feel like, especially the high schoolers right now are aware of what's going on. They do not take, well, that's just the way it is as an answer. Uh, and that fills me with a lot of hope. Um, it saddens me, right, to hear the, the one, you know, to go from the broad to the, to the one. Uh, that's heartbreaking, right, to still hear... Uh, people. I mean, our pastor uh, and his dear wife, a uh, shout out to Kelly and Howard, uh, they have two uh, boys, I believe, both in high school, and they're also terrified. And when you hear that heartache and that heartbreak, if you can't try to empathize with that, then you're not ready for this work. Um, just to be completely blunt, um, you know, yeah, because as as prepped and prepared as I think the current teenagers are we're working off of 400 years we're not going to solve it by the time that they're in college and I mean, it's still there it's still yeah. there yeah. um so there i think there's a lot of teenagers young adults that don't see color i hate that phrase but you know <laughs> that 
you know, feel that way. They have grown up in communities with where their parents have black friends and their parents actually have black people over for dinner and everything. So, um, so it is somewhat normal, but a part of me feels like that's also because the black people that they are around are black people that make them comfortable. Mm. So we, we live in your communities, you know, like you see us like, Oh, you're not like them. Like I've been told that before. You're not like them. What? Like you think I will lay you out like like somebody from some you know from another neighborhood? Um, but there's still in high school, the school that my son goes to now, people that have these um, Confederate flags on as a 16 year old that you know and that have belt buckles, um, heritage, not hatred. <laughs> like right, right. So I don't as much as I would like to think that it is going, that it's dying off, it's not, it's still, it's still young. And so those kids have parents that they live with or grandparents that they spend a lot of time with that are still sowing these seeds of division and hate and Yeah, it's scary. it's scary, I think. And that's, you know, uh, I know we gotta come to a close here. But I think one of the things that I, I want to say is like, obviously, this is one conversation. I, 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 you know, I don't know if I'm going to end this every time I do the civil conversation with the same statement, but I always want to make sure I emphasize this. This is one conversation with one black man, with one black woman, with one white guy. And we don't know what the next civil conversation is going to be like. And it's only these three perspectives that are highly unique um, that we're having. And two of the three of us had never met each other before. And it's, that, has, that has value. And I think it's important that people understand that if the three of us can have this conversation and two of the three of us hadn't met each other before, how healthy do you think the relationships that you have that you thought are good, how much stronger can those relationships be when you have these type of conversations? Because to your point, both your points, like we don't know, right? This is, I mean, there's so many people out there trying to come up with solutions. Like I'm just doing one of them. We're all just gonna do our part. And I think that's what's most important, right? One of the comments on here by my boy Jason Thompson is about getting out and vote. I think that's super critical. Um, get out and vote. I think, uh, and I'm, I'm going to admit here publicly, even I've been it's guilty. A component. It's I, a component. I've, been, I've been guilty of not voting all the time either because I just don't believe in the system. I don't believe in the people, but I think it's important to do that to still go vote. Um, and also, hopefully, our options can get better, right? So that not only do you vote, hopefully, there's somebody who people that would need to get involved, white, black, Indian, no matter what the race is, that's going to take on the true issues of, of society and not try to maintain status quo, because um, tomorrow is going to be a different day, you know? Um, but yo, look, guys, I really appreciate this. Um, I thought this conversation was dope. Um, and I'm looking forward to further ones with both of you guys um, on it and later and later versions of this. Um, Tim, what's up? What you got, man? Yeah. So if I could just address the folks who look like me real quick, of just course. as a quick kind of closing statement. Um, one of the toughest things I've had to learn is that it's on us to do our own work. Um, having a conversation like this is phenomenal. Uh, but one of the things I kept expecting my handful of friends was for them to teach me. Um, please, please, please do your own work. Uh, there are any number of resources. If you live in Charlotte, 
Uh, there's two guys, Cedric and Sanchez have a great podcast called Token Confessions. Uh, so regardless Token of if you are in Charlotte or not, phenomenal podcast, uh, Truth Table, Pass the Mic, uh, just, just read, right? Uh, just sit with the word. Uh, there's a great book called How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, who talks about that exact point, which is that racism is not individual. It is a set of policies. And so being a part of the political process has to be a part of that. Uh, I mean, obviously, James Baldwin, James Cohn, Angela Davis, Audre Lorde, right? Uh, just Google. Um, if, if we're friends on Facebook, let me know. Uh, I have a bunch of resources that our church is putting together. Happy to send to you. Uh, so I've been talking for a while, but please, please, please do your own homework. Very happy to uh, chat. So if you just want to add me on Facebook, happy to hop on a call. If you're in Charlotte, we can grab a drink, et cetera. Yeah, I appreciate that. Jessica, anything you want to say before we exit out? Now nah, you good? All right. Well, look, guys, thank you. Yeah, so I feel much. like his closing was really good. <laughs> it was really good. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Um, you guys stay on here. I'm just going to stop the live. But thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. And those who who joined, um, hopefully this live, I can, I can make sure it's posted up afterwards. Uh, this was amazing and hope to have some other interesting uh, personalities on here to, to talk. I'm looking to get some cops on here if possible. So if you know a cop that's willing to talk, uh, uh, any, any public official, and that's hey, interesting. Let's, let's, let's do it. But I'm, I'm trying to get one on as soon as possible. Thanks, guys. Love and peace. Bye, everybody. All right, stream is done. All right. A cop would be.